Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast, your channel for the latest alumni stories in Boston and beyond. In this show, we'll catch up with Northeastern alumni who are out there achieving what's next. Ryan Finnegan believes that a great employee experience fuels a great employer brand, and that brand will attract the right talent that feeds into an inclusive and positive company culture. Ryan will break down these topics and share tips for remote employee engagement. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast. Thanks for having me here. A few years back, you spoke at an alumni event in the San Francisco area about creating an engaging workplace culture. And since then, you've held a few different jobs and are currently at Instacart. So can you talk us briefly through your career path so far since Northeastern? Oh, wow. It has been zigzaggy for sure. I uh, definitely didn't know that I was going to end up where I ended up. I didn't even know Instacart would be a thing back when I was in college in the late 2000s. You know, the internet was still, you know, moving towards, had just come out with the iPhone and, and things were sort of really moving into the Twitter era around that point, Twitter and Facebook and all that post MySpace era. So that's kind of the, the area I was in when I was in college and then graduated in 2011. After 2011, I started working at a music tech startup in Boston that I got connected through um, through Northeastern. And so that was my first job out of out of school. I saw them come speak at Northeastern and then just hit them up right after I graduated. It was just like, you don't look like you're hiring, but I'm looking. So here's, here's my information and here's what I think I can do. So they got them brought, brought on board there and then had one too many Boston winters and moved on a whim out to California. Ended up getting a job at Twitter somehow. I don't understand how I got that job, but I did. I think it had something to do with the fact that I had had some sales and account management experience with Sonic Bids, where I worked, and then also using Twitter for my own event promotion company that I had in Boston when I was running local events. And worked at Twitter for a little bit, missed doing live events and, you know, sort of experiential um, events. Got hired into Pandora, did Pandora's concert production for a number of years. And then eventually moved my way into employer branding and employee experience and recruitment marketing. I loved working for Pandora. I wanted everyone to know about Pandora. No one knew about Pandora and no one knew about Oakland. And so that's where Pandora was headquartered. And so we just had a really great culture. It was like a lightning in a bottle culture. And so I really helped them to tell that story, to focus on their hiring efforts. We went from 700 people to 2,500 people during the time I was there and had a number of merges and acquisitions. So yeah, I really love working with people and on employee experience and really creating great places to work that people love coming to every day. And so that's really how that started for my career. Then I was recruited to Squarespace and focused on the external employer branding, recruitment, marketing. How do we get people in the door? How do we even let people know that we're hiring? And that was my focus there. And then my boss from Pandora, Marta Riggins, uh, took a job at Instacart as the director of employee engagement and social impact. And she was just like, hey, I will take this job if Ryan can come work with me. And so 
had me come all the way back from New York, California, and I've been loving working there ever since. It's been a really fun role, really exciting to build out the employer brand, the narrative, you know, talk about the culture of the company. And yeah, I've, I've loved working there ever since. It's amazing. You've had what seems like so many jobs since you graduated in 2011. And I think a common theme of this podcast is that people don't have linear careers anymore. And we often end up in a career that's not directly connected to a major. And so how you might have studied music industry and you were in that kind of concert production, music industry, Pandora world. You touched a little bit about this, but tell me how you really got into employer branding and how you really made that your main focus. Really with my whole career, and I guess with how I approach life, I'm, I'm coming to realize now is just being being really curious about what's unfolding in front of me instead of being really focused on like the shoulds, you know, instead of saying, oh, I should do this or I should be there or I, you know, I have this degree, so I should do this thing. I feel like if I were to have done that, I might have missed out on this whole career area that was still being built and and formulating at the time that I graduated. This really wasn't an area of focus. The title employer brand, you know, manager or employee experience manager wasn't really a thing back in the, uh, around 2011, 2012. And so I think for me, it's, it's really important to just always stay curious and kind of go where it feels warm, where you're starting to feel like you're being tugged in a certain direction, either with your career or with anything else. And so, you know, being in the live events world, there were certain aspects of it that I loved. I think certain aspects of it that were harder for me in terms of, you know, the really late nights, being on the road all the time. It was it was a little draining after a little bit, you know, essentially as a role as like Pandora's tour manager. And so, yeah, but there's elements of like creating that space where like bands and fans and brands, everyone can sort of all come together and have this really wonderful, magical experience where everyone's like feeling the vibe and feeling the energy. And so I love that element. And so I still get to do that element, but it's for people that I work with every day. And it's not just like a cool, I'm going to spend two months, like, you know, breaking my back over putting this event together. And then it's done in in a matter of two hours, you know, of an event. Instead, I get to cultivate a workplace and work on telling the story of that over a longer period of time. So, you know, I think For me, too, that's really important in terms of like diversity and inclusion and creating really inclusive workspaces. And as someone who's part of the LGBTQ community, I've always been really involved with employee resource groups and helping to make sure like we're understanding who's at the table, who's not at the table, why is someone not at the table? You know, how do we look at that? And um, this is a role that essentially allows me to bring all of that together. So like experiential marketing, content development, all of that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think that's really good advice in a way of for people who aren't sure, you know, what they want to do. I think I heard at a conference once, it was like, think about your day and all the aspects of your job. You're not going to like every aspect, but what are the parts that bring a lot of energy? And you can kind of hone in on that feeling of what part of that you really liked. And then it takes you take that with you to the next role, even though some people might think it's completely different, but it's not. You're kind of just seeing that common thread throughout. 
And Mm -hmm. I think especially you were saying how employer branding is new. So we're just starting to hear about it. I'm familiar with agencies that specialize in it. Now we're seeing a lot more in-house roles, especially around bigger companies, I think is is more common, but I'm sure it's just continuing to develop. And we see a lot of diversity inclusion, recruitment marketing, employer branding, all these words thrown around. So I'm hoping you can kind of break it down for people not familiar, you know, recruitment marketing versus employer branding. What does that really mean? Yeah. And I I think some people have like their own views on it and their own, their own sort of take on like what, you know, what rolls into what, for me, how I see employer branding, it's really, you know, the voice of your company. It's the voice of your employees sort of like an aggregate. It's the values of your company. It's really like, what is the ethos of your company that you're putting out into the world? And and yeah, again, really aligns with the values you have as a company. You know, the, the brand look and feel uh, shouldn't be very disjointed from your brand brand, your consumer brand or your B2B brand, whatever that is, still should have that same look and feel. But it's like the heart. It's like you're communicating the heart of the company. So, you know, tone, language, uh, how do you position yourself? you know, are you humble, neighborly, thoughtful? Like what are the words that you use to describe yourself? And that helps to in- inform the tone. And yeah, definitely the values you have as a company, both as external company and like your internal um, principles. And then recruitment marketing is taking that same language and look and feel and values and qualities that you have when you're using to talk about your workplace or your employees and tailoring it to like whatever the specific area of focus is because it's going to be different depending on country, depending on team, depending on area of focus and really focusing on, okay, recruitment marketing is for us to get pipeline is for us to get people interested in working here is for us to get, you know, candidate pools is for us to get like, okay, all of these people are potential folks who would want to come work at Instacart or like an alumni network, people who have worked for us that can help continue to spread the word and doing like specific marketing campaigns, direct marketing campaigns, for example, like LinkedIn pipeline builders, things like that, where really the thing that you're measuring is how many leads are we getting for this and are they qualified and do they turn into hires and what is the cost per lead or employer branding? It's like less of a really specific ROI, you know, what does this look like and more just the, the look, the feel, the language, the marketing, like the visual assets that you have, et cetera. So anytime you do a recruitment marketing campaign, it should be using your employer brand look and feel. It's the same thing with like brand marketing versus, you know, consumer direct marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. And it really does map onto the traditional kind of consumer brand world that people might be more familiar with, you know, just as consumers ourselves. And what are the methods you use in, in building this? So I think a lot of times, especially as this industry is changing so much, I think of, you know, your typical like career fairs and, you know, a ways of those flyers. It's, it's very old fashioned. I know that's such a big part still with campus recruiting, but what are some other of these methods that are really telling the story of the employer brand? Yeah, you know, I think it's really, it's it's all about going to where you know the candidates are. And so um, for me, a big part of what I have to do is stay really close to everyone who works in the organization. So working really closely with the design teams and the recruiting managers for the design side of the house and the hiring managers over there to be like, where do you all hang out online? Like, what do you do online? What podcasts do you listen to? Should we be advertising on that podcast? You know, what do you follow on Instagram? You know, how should we be utilizing that tool? 
who do you want to come speak you know at instacart obviously that's not happening in person right now but if we're going to be bringing in speakers or like folks to focus on certain meetups like who do we partner with to bring in the right folks to come watch that and like if we want to have a recruiter or two there you know i guess it'd be virtually now you know how are we making that happen what are the interesting conversations how can we position thought leadership Squarespace was definitely a big, we had a big focus on university hiring. This is something that Instacart will be, you know, looking at more in the future, but Squarespace had a huge uh, university recruiting uh, live, you know, events section. And that's really important for that audience to definitely be showing up on campuses, you know, at university events, things like Grace Hopper and Nesby and all that, because it's such a great way to just network and talk and it's a whole different ball game, but for the more senior folks, like they're not necessarily going to be going to job fairs, you know, Mm -hmm. so you have to kind of find out where they're hanging out online and what makes the most sense, newsletter marketing, in-office events, speaker series, things like that. That's really interesting. And I think it's so creative because a lot of times that when people are job hunting, uh, they're looking at, you know, LinkedIn, Glassdoor, things like that, um, where you might just see a lot of time just like a description. And I've seen more that description has evolved. So it's a little bit more about who we are, not just what is this job. And, you know, you see the career sites, it's more about the team that you're part of, what do we value? What are the perks and all these things? Because our workplace is so different now. This is it's part of life. It's not just a place you clock in and clock out. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the needs of the even each next generation of, you know, employees are expecting more and more. And it's, it's really cool to hear some of those creative ideas of how to tell that story of, and making sure it's authentic. I think that's what's what's so interesting, because you see some companies that can slap like a generic diversity inclusion statement on a website and pretend they're that just to fit, you know, the law, (laughs) to be honest. And or, it's, it's kind of like that, it goes back to normal advertising. Like, is this, are you advertising what it really is? <laughs> or are you putting out, you know, marketing that's not as authentic? Um, well, it's one of those things too. It's like you, it's not really something you can fake, nor should you, because if you're going to, it's not like you're selling someone like a new phone, you know, if it's like someone can return that and, you know, or like maybe someone doesn't like it, but, you know, they can spend $10,000 on it. Or you're like, you're asking someone to come, like change their entire life and potentially the lives of their families to come be, you know, bought in to this company that you have, this company, this, this environment that you're creating, like you can't fake that. And if you fake that, someone's going to be very not happy when they start and, and probably not very quiet about it. And so, you know, it really is a disservice to your company if you're trying to market something you don't have and if you don't have it that's okay talk about what you do have and like where you want to go I think that's really important yeah so for workplace culture you mentioned you're very passionate about diversity and equity and inclusion and it's a very broad topic so what does that mean for you personally and how has that influenced your work yeah I mean I think for me the work that I do is, is interesting because it kind of sits between a lot of different departments. And so when we're thinking about the employer brand, for example, it takes into account recruiting, communication, HR, marketing, you know, all of these teams, but then also the teams that we're going to be talking about internally. So if I'm going to be doing a campaign, you know, for engineers, for example, it's like, okay, like how do we make sure that we're showing like 
an actual representation of what that population is and like make sure that we're showing less a variety of people who work in engineering and not just like one type of person that's in engineering. Like even if we're going to have like an internal competition of some sort, if we have a panel of judges, how do we make sure that it's like not all dudes judging this thing, mm -hmm. but we actually bring into different perspectives. So while I don't work on the diversity and inclusion team, Specifically, I work very closely with all of the ERG leaders and like everyone on that side of the house just to make sure that any of the marketing that we have that does go out, you know, be it our career site, you know, any of the conferences that we submit people to speak at, like we should be at Lesbian 2 Tech, we should be at Afrotech, you know, we should be really focused on these organizations that help to lift up marginalized voices and make sure that we have a seat at the table. And like, let's say we don't have, you know, a leader of color, like a black leader in engineering at Instacart. Okay, well then for the black engineers that we do have, how do we make sure that we're really empowering them to go find mentors, to educate, or like to get like more learning and development experience, you know, to network with other black engineers. That's something like Afrotech does an incredible job at that. So, you know, there's so many different opportunities for us to not just showcase our employer brand, but also to lift up and empower the employees that we do have um, to help continually attract the right talent and retain the talent that we do have. And so for me, it's like, it can't just be diversity and inclusion in a silo. And that's what I love about my role is like, I get to make sure that all these teams are talking like, hey, recruiting, we're going to roll out this augmented writing tool called Textio to make sure that the job descriptions that you write aren't so masculine, you know, so they'll pull out the words and say, like, they'll give it a score and say, like, this job is leaning like incredibly masculine in tone so like let's move it and like change some of the words in here and so there's just so many different tools and opportunities that 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 can come with both recruiting you know hr communications learning and development unconscious bias trainings and all of that so i just make sure that i take it upon myself to make sure that people are like all talking to each other and that's a role that i've loved playing at different companies i've worked at i love the example you gave of some of those conferences because it's true it's, it's kind of like someone you want someone to feel comfortable and if your workplace maybe there aren't those mentors there they're not you, like you can't fake a, a group that has perfect representation of all people in every workplace but offering those opportunities to go to lesbians who tech i have a friend who goes to that every year and loves it and she lives in boston and works as an engineer in a very male dominated job and just that she has her boss support her in wanting to go to that event just having that support can mean a lot for that retention and, and someone feeling really valued in what they do. Totally. Know where you have gaps and don't, because even like your employees will see through that. If you're a company that's just like, we really care about the LGBTQ community and you have one LGBTQ person and you're just like, you haven't even rolled out like anything related to like trans inclusive benefits that you have here. Like that's like cognitive dissonance, you know, mm -hmm. and there's like definitely like a disconnect happening there. And, you know, I think it's, I, I don't want to throw this term around sometimes, but like a little gaslighty sometimes if you're a company and you're just like, we're so great for the LGBTQ community or we're so great for the black community. And the people who are like LGBTQ or black are like, what are you talking about? You know, that's like, uh, so just, you don't want to fake that because you're going to alienate your employees. Mm -hmm. Great. So can you tell me about your experience with the nonprofit Maven Youth? I know you do some other work outside of your job, and I think that's really important to talk about in terms of your kind of career journey. Oh, Maven Youth, I love them. I love working with them so much. So Maven Youth is a nonprofit that really focuses on empowering youth to like mobilize and, you know, uh, be activists for social justice and 
really connect through tech. And so um, one of the big things that they do every year is they work with a cohort of youth, and that's anyone from you know 14 to about 20 years old or so, to come into different tech companies. It's a two-week camp in New York, San Francisco, Austin, and Boulder, and you know always looking at new markets and stuff too. It'll be interesting to see what happens this year now that we're all going to be all virtual. You know, it could be a chance to expand a little bit more to more places, but really showing queer youth that they can work in tech and that there's people like them who work in tech. And so, you know, they'll build a game, you know, every year, like an app that they all work on together and they storyboard, do a design and all the coding and stuff for it. And it's just such a great way for youth to build community and strong bonds at such an important time in their growth and their development. You know, high school can be a really tough time for a lot of LGBTQ kids and, you know, something that we're actually thinking about a lot right now too, especially as queer youth are sheltering in place, potentially with families who maybe not be super supportive. So, you know, that's currently top of mind for us is like, how can we make sure that these youth are staying connected and getting them laptops? And, you know, so if you're at a company and able to donate laptops and smartphones, tablets to organizations like this, that's always a really great way to go. But yeah, I started working them with them at, when I was at Pandora back in 2014. And I've worked with them really ever since. I'm on their board now. And, you know, it's just a, a really fantastic organization. And honestly, something that I wish that I had when I was much younger mm-hmm. and in high school, um, you know, could have impacted my trajectory in tech if I'd had um, that sort of an inspiration. And for me, it's just really enriching to stay involved with LGBTQ youth. That's amazing. I think a lot of times, I mean, myself included, everyone always wants to find these other, you know, volunteer experiences, really, you know, valuable defining experience outside of that daily job. So how did you, is it something you just like come across or you knew someone? I think that's sometimes hard for people. They're like, well, I want to get involved in something that's important to me, but they don't always know where to look for those groups. Yeah. So, so Maven Youth, I can't remember if I reached out to them or they reached out to me when I was at Pandora and working on Pandora's LGBTQ Mm -hmm. employee resource group. And we were trying to think about how, you know, what we wanted to do for pride. And, you know, anytime that I'm working with an ERG, it's really important for both the ERG members and for the company. And just, I think generally you should always be like, always have a social impact and giving component to your cultural heritage month that support the nonprofits in the communities in which you exist. And so Pandora was in Oakland, Maven Youth was in Oakland. We connected and yeah, our, our relationship kind of happened from there. I was like, how can Pandora help when they're like, we really just need a place to host this, you know, do you have conference rooms? Do you have laptops we can borrow? Do you have space? And so you know, that was a pretty natural progression. And I've just been in touch with um, Monica, who's a CEO from Maven ever since and, you know, brought them into Squarespace and, and brought them into Instacart as well. So yeah, it's, it's a company or it's a nonprofit that I believe in. It's a mission that I believe in. And for me, it's like something that I see such value in and that like I can feel in a very real way how it would have benefited me. And I think it's so important. So for me, it's, yeah, I mean, there's so many different opportunities for you to give back, but I think finding finding something that really resonates with you is going to make for a much longer lasting partnership that you have, either on an individual level or on a company-wide level, you know, with, with any organization. So that'd be where I recommend starting. Always finding something local, too, is good. I, I mean, not that we can go anywhere local right now mm-hmm. with everything happening with the with coronavirus, but it also feels really nice to support your community locally. So... I just want to end with talking a little bit about, you know, this current time, 
obviously we are at home during this pandemic and you talk a lot about creating a workplace culture and that's on everyone's mind, especially now because we are remote. And I think some people are used to that. And some people, for me, it's absolutely new to be remote. So how has your team approached this? And do you have any thoughts on how teams can be stronger during this time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an adjustment and we're learning every week as we go. You know, Instacart's had quite a few folks that have worked, you know, across the field remotely already, but for everyone who's been in an office, it's definitely like, whoa, <laughs> you know, how do we set this up? Like, where do I put my laptop? Like right now I'm like, I don't know, you, you can't see because I'm, <laughs> I'm on the podcast, but I'm on a bookshelf is where I keep my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I just, it's, it's a weird time. And I think it's interesting too, because I, when people first started coming online, it was like, okay, we're going to do all of these Zoom things. And now people are just like, I can't have another Zoom call. Like, I cannot do this again. Like, I need like a Zoom break. And so it's like finding that balance too. Um, Because in some ways it makes connecting so much easier, but it's almost like this weird connection. Like you're watching TV and TV is watching you back kind of thing. (laughs) Um, And so I, uh, yeah, for, for us at Instacart, it's really important that we are staying connected with like the messaging as a company. It's a really busy time for us. It's a very news heavy time for us. And so making sure that we have, you know, we're doing weekly all hands that are moving to bi-weekly all hands, just making sure that our employees are staying connected. You know, our employee resource groups are holding little like happy hours, office hours. For example, it's uh, bring your kids to work day. We celebrate April. That was last week, but we celebrate all throughout the month of April. We celebrate our parents. Every day is bring your kids to work day in COVID. So like, how can we instead find ways to celebrate our parents? What are some things that we can do? We're going to do like a virtual panel with teachers so that the teachers can come in and give advice for like long distance learning for the parents that are there. You know, what can we think about for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in May? Um, Can we bring in speakers and meditation sessions? Um, We have a Slack channel called Virtually Social. And so in there, you can find different events um, that are happening throughout the company should you choose to join, you know, mm-hmm. if it's of interest to you, you know, it's like not mandatory things, but, you know, here are some classes from learning and development through Udemy or, you know, Connor in Toronto is going to be teaching this high intensity interval training class, you know, and, you know, this person is going to be coming in and teaching yoga that day. It's like, so it's employee generated, um, like really interesting ways to take breaks throughout the day. Like we have this guy, John Phillips, who is in this channel that we have called Cooking with John. And it's all the, like, we love food at Instacart. So it's all the amateur cooks that we have, or, you know, semi-professional in some cases, cooks that we have and bakers that we have. So how can we teach each other classes? And like, what are people ordering from Instacart that they can make with their meals? And so those are some of the ways that we're staying connected. Um, And like, for my job specifically, one of the things I've had to do is really convert our candidate experience. Like, how are we bringing pieces of our office to the candidates when they're having their on-sites that are not on-site, they're mm-hmm. off-sites, on-sites, you know? And so can we send them like little swag kits? You know, can we send them digital brochures? Can we send them, you know, like just these extra touches that help go a long way when people are at home and they would be in the office. And so it's rethinking a lot of that. But my my word to the wise is try not to overdo it with too much Zoom mm-hmm. um, and don't make things mandatory, but and make things interesting because you don't what you don't want to have happen is there'd be 50 people on a Zoom call with no structure. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like everyone trying to talk at the same time. And like there's no so just make sure there's like a structure, like got to raise the hand and use the hand functionality and like everyone's muting themselves and just. I know yeah. it's been to 
even find out some of those techniques. Uh, we actually hosted one of my colleagues is in charge of some of our regional communities. And last last week, the Philadelphia alumni community did a virtual happy hour. And the volunteers of that community, they actually created little subgroups, which I did not know you could do automatically in Zoom. And then you get mm -hmm. put into these little groups and you got to meet people, but there were different polls and discussions part of that. And so it had this unique structure while it's still being a social experience. And then they could come back together and, you know, share little bits. And so we're doing that also um, in New York. And I'm sure we'll do a few more. Um, they don't even need to be regional, to be honest, but it's nice to reconnect with some faces you might have met at an in-person event or, you know, having those opt-in opportunities. Because you're right, I was a friend of mine wanted to have a Zoom call. And I had to say, I'm so sorry, but I have plans with myself and I can't be on another screen today, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Yes. Yes, that, that is real, that digital detox time during the day, just to be like, okay, whoa, like there's a whole other world outside of this little like mm -hmm. screen that I'm looking into. And I think that's that's really important too, is like making sure that you're like uh, encouraging, as especially if you're, you can encourage your leadership team to do this, or if you are in a leadership team, encourage your employees to take time, even if things are really bananas, like take time to be off screen and to like do what they need to do for themselves or their family because you're going to get people burning out because there's no separation between like, like this, this area in my, that I'm, that's like right behind me is like my living room. It's my yoga studio. It's my, it's where I play guitar. It's like, you know, where I work, it's where I read, it's my, I eat in here sometimes. And so mm -hmm. it's like everything in this one space and there's no separation between anything. So if you can encourage your employees to like have some screens off time and model that as leaders, I think that's a really important message to send because otherwise people are just going to work until they burn themselves out. Mm -hmm. I think that's so great. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for your time today. It's great talking to you. Yeah, Megan, it's been really, it's been really awesome. So thank you again for asking me to be here. Thanks for listening. You can find Ryan Finnegan on LinkedIn, which will be linked in the show notes. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. I want to hear from you, your comments, reflections, and ideas for next guests. My email is me.brisson, B-R-I-S-S-O-N, at northeastern.edu, or find me on LinkedIn. I hope you are staying safe and connected. Visit our website, alumni.northeastern.edu slash events for upcoming virtual opportunities. This is Megan Kirk-Brisson from the Office of Alumni Relations. I'll talk to you soon.